0: Hello and welcome to Legally Bond, a podcast presented by the law firm Bond-Shenik and King. I'm your host, Kim Wolf price Giving Tuesday, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, started as a hashtag really in 2012 and has grown into one of the biggest fundraising dates on the calendar. It's often called a global generosity movement. I guess it helps people focus on making a difference in their communities and giving back. Since we are in the holiday season, producer Kate had the excellent idea to focus on the spirit of giving and talk to a bond lawyer who lives those values. So I'm really happy that on today's episode, we'll be talking with Liza Magley, a member in our Syracuse office whose law practice focuses on litigation. And Liza is also someone who gives back and works to make her community a better place. Hey, Liza, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much, Kim. I'm excited to talk to you today, as always. So this is another special edition, sort of. The first time you were on for a full episode, we talked about law students applying for jobs. And today I want to talk to you about your work in the community and that focus on giving back in the midst of a busy law career. So does that work for you?
1: Absolutely. As long as I get the fun episodes where I'm not talking about my work, this is great. We will definitely have you back to talk about trademark litigation sometime soon. (laughs) I'll wait with bated breath.
0: Okay. All right. Well, before we get into our conversation today, I hope maybe you'll refresh the recollection of our listeners and take a few minutes to talk about your background, where you went to law school, undergrad, how you got to bond, something like that.
1: Sure. So I went to law school at Georgetown. Before that, I went to Xavier University for my undergraduate, which is in Cincinnati, Ohio. It actually ties in a little bit how I landed in at Xavier into our conversation today. And then getting to Bond, I summered here between my second and third year while I was at Georgetown and got the offer and came back and been here ever since. One of the few millennials who's stuck in the (laughs) same place for almost a decade. (laughs) We're very glad that you are because... You grew up around the Syracuse area. You're in the Syracuse office, right? I did. Yep. I went away for undergrad in law school, like I said, and I knew I always wanted to come back. And part of that is because I love the community here and being part of it and giving back to it. That's fantastic. Thank you. And so I did also mention that you're a
0: litigator and do and I mentioned something about trademark litigation here. So do you want to give a quick
1: summary of some of the work you do? Sure. So I work in generally commercial litigation and intellectual property litigation, which means if there's cases involving breach of contract, an employer having a conflict with their employee, you know, that would fall under general commercial. And then under the IP side, I'm doing trademark and commercial. I would never pretend to be smart enough to do the patent stuff, but dealing with people who want to protect their IP rights, you know, if you're a company like Coke and someone steals your, recipe. You need to make sure you protect it by litigating over that trade secret.
0: That's great. And I I do know that there are patent lawyers right down the hall from you who call on you to say, hey, can you help me with this litigation thing?
1: (laughs) It's true. It's true. They do. And and I'm always a little bit intimidated because my science skills are not always up to snuff, but I'm happy to help.
0: You have the litigation. They have the science. It's a perfect mix. I think. Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you for that background. I really appreciate it. And I think it's good for people to have that sort of context because you have a busy practice and there's a lot going on. Litigation is not your schedule. It's the court's schedule a lot of the time. So I, I think it's even more important to have that context as we talk about giving back. So you were raised in the Syracuse area. And as you mentioned, came back here to establish your legal career. Was it growing up here in Central New York that sort of that desire to work for your community became important to you?
1: Absolutely. And to be honest, I I didn't even know it was happening because it was just a given. In my family, the way I grew up, we were giving back from the get-go. I I volunteer now at the Samaritan Center, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but I started volunteering at the Samaritan Center when I was still in grammar school at Immaculate Conception here in Syracuse. So the giving experience goes way back. My family's always been very involved in the community, and that's always been a pillar of how we were raised and what we grew up on. And so, yeah, it just made it easy. I, I knew I had to do it. It wasn't even a, an extra step.
0: Exactly. It was just sort of part of the drill. Like Exactly. That's and so that's, is, that must have been then how you began volunteering was through the Samaritan Center and things with your families. Then was there time when you started doing it a bit on your own?
1: Yeah. There were things I took on by myself, including Once I got to Christian Brothers Academy, I took a lot more of a role, not only in organizations there, but I got involved in a program with Catholic Charities that partners high school students from suburban areas around CNY with schools in the city to work at a summer camp with the kids there. And then at the end of the summer, you do a drive so that the kids you were working with all summer can have the school supplies that they might not necessarily be able to afford on their own. So I did that in my summers. I Went to Camp Sunshine, which is up in Maine, and for uh, kids with cancer. During that week, we went through school. I've been involved in a number of different things in that regard. And then when I went on to Xavier University, I was actually a service fellow there. One of the things that brought me to Xavier was if you were someone who did a lot of service growing up, you could apply for a full ride to college. I was required to perform 15 hours of service a week for all four years that I was there. And that enabled me to go to college for free, but also to continue giving back and make it an easy part of my life when in college, things can be a little harder to get involved in. So maintained that tradition straight through.
0: That's fantastic. I mean, that's a great program that Xavier has and smart of you on a variety of fronts to get involved with it. I just think that you should know that our Melville office will be doing a fundraiser for Camp Sunshine in May. They do a, a program called Sips for Sunshine, oh. which is a fundraiser. So it's kind of awesome. nice. Yeah, tie-in. yeah, exactly. Perfect tie-in, and um, nice to see our sort of newest office right in line with the things that we believe in at the firm. Absolutely. Uh, so. As lawyers, you know, there are many ways we can give back. Pro bono, of course, is one of the first. You were part of our special pro bono episode for Pro Bono Week. Will you just talk a bit about your pro bono work and why giving back that way is important for lawyers?
1: Sure. As I mentioned in that pro bono episode, I think part of being a professional is giving back and using the skills you've gained in your profession to better your community. At the beginning of the office, Jim Helpert says something about how this is just a job. If it were my career, I'd do something completely different. And I think the difference between having a job and having a career is sometimes what's the extra thing that you're doing to better the community around you as opposed to going in day to day. And that's what pro bono is for lawyers. And that's what makes it a really important part of our practice.
0: Yeah, it's a way to sort of bridge that access to justice gap and for us to use this law license we have to better the communities around us. I think that's a great way to put it. And pro bono work, you know, it has values for the lawyer, value for the lawyers, too. Obviously, you know, hopefully we're doing good for for any of the clients, but there's a value for the lawyer, isn't there?
1: Outside of the intangible value of just you know feeling good when you get to help other people and work with other people on their situations, it helps you build your skills. You know, I practice, for instance, with the volunteer lawyers project in the landlord tenant proceedings. And when I first started at Bond, that was some some of the scariest work I did simply because I had to get up on my feet and think on my feet in front of a judge. And you're not given a lot of information, you have to work quickly and you know, when you have the benefit of a long time in a case to dig in and think and practice before you go up before a judge, that's also a value. But knowing you can do it in, you know, in an instant and positively advocate for someone is is a really helpful skill. So it provides you those opportunities. We have folks in our office who have done entire trials for people dealing with prisoner rights litigation and things like of that nature. So it's a great way to build your skill set and help someone else, you know, with whatever situation they find themselves in.
0: Absolutely. And it also exposes our lawyers who are business lawyers, right? That's what we do at the firm to different areas of law. You mentioned landlord tenant, civil rights case for a prisoner. I think you're even doing some work on an immigration case, which is not something that you typically do. So that's another way to sort of expand your own scope while doing good, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. And it gives you a chance to work with other attorneys. For instance, the immigration case you brought up, I'm getting to work with a colleague out in our in our Albany office who doesn't do the same work as me and we don't often get to work together. So it's also a way yeah. to kind of get to know your colleagues and their skill sets. And from a business perspective, that's of course helpful because you know, if a client comes in and says they have an issue, you know who can work on it or who to at least ask.
0: Yeah. And you do get that moment where this is a client who might not otherwise be able to access these services and you really can make an impact. Absolutely. So, but pro bono work, this first thing I think people think of is like how lawyers give back, but it's certainly not the only way that people can be involved throughout bonds. Many offices, you know this, there's members of the bond team that participate in a lot of community activities, whether it's the United Way programs, cleanups, things like the Samaritan Center, reading in schools and many other activities. So, You also help out at the Samaritan Center through a bond program. Will you talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. So the Samaritan Center is an organization here in Syracuse that feeds individuals who are experiencing poverty, homelessness, whatever the case may be, and they serve breakfasts and they serve what's called dinner, but it's kind of more of a between lunch and dinner time. And the attorneys at Bond and our staff and really anyone at Bond who wants to get involved, which is part of what makes it really fun, we go and at least once a month we serve breakfast. So we arrive on site around 6 a.m. We do whatever's needed. Sometimes it's actually serving. Sometimes it's doing the dishes in the back. Sometimes it's cleaning the bathrooms. Whatever work needs to be done we do it and assist. And it's really a great opportunity to work with other people in our community who also want to give back, but also to work with the people coming in. Sometimes, you know, just being there and being a an ear for someone to talk to is just as valuable as, you know, the apple or whatever it is they're taking for their day. So that's a really rewarding experience. And like I said, it's great to do it with all of our, any colleague, as opposed to just lawyers or just staff, it's really a group effort.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really important part. And, you know, you're a new partner at the firm. There are so many benefits of getting our people out in the communities together, working together to help our neighbors. And I think that that that's a really important part about the culture, isn't it?
1: Oh, it for sure is. And I think that's true across all of our offices at Bond. We really, like you just said, Melville, one of our newest offices, is already engaged. I think if you called on anyone in any office across bonds, like our culture is to be part of the communities in which we're working. So we're not just people who are coming in and working at our desks and then driving out to wherever we live. We're people who want to work with our communities. And you know, no task is too big or too small for us to take on.
0: Yeah, I mean, the United Way in Syracuse, uh, I know other offices do that as well. You know, you might be cleaning whiteboards, decorating a daycare center, weeding, painting, cleaning bathrooms, whatever it is, right? Because for that day, we take on a project and really want to help that organization, that not-for-profit, get up mm-hmm. to speed and be able to serve the people that they need to serve. For sure. it's fantastic. So, okay, we have pro bono work and volunteering well, to work for organizations and not for profits. But then there's board service. And I'm not sure this is as clear for people. So if you wouldn't mind, we talk a little bit about what board service is, because a lot of people may have heard the term, but don't fully understand what that means.
1: Sure. So board service usually means that you sit on a board for a not for profit entity. And what that means is you're kind of stewards or fiduciaries of that entity. And when you think of the word steward, it's, it's shepherding, it's guiding. So you're not, you know, the president making the decisions on a day-to-day basis, but you're the folks that they come to for advice. You approve certain things, you, you know, determine what the best outcomes are, maybe the mission and vision of the organization, and you work together. And if you're, for instance, on a fundraising board, you deal with you know, getting out in the community, making connections, bringing money in for the organization. If you're on the management side of a board, you are helping those folks in the C-suite make the decisions that align with the mission of the organization. And then, of course, in addition to board service, there's committee work. So you might mm-hmm. not be specifically on that board. You might just be on a committee, whether it's a nominating committee, which would be a group that helps find new people for the board or a finance committee, which would deal with just the dollars and the numbers and help the board in that way. That's kind of a a good way in a lot of situations to get involved. If you want to be on a board in the future, but they don't have openings, you join a committee, you get to know it and you see what you can do to join the board. Yeah, I would think that, you know,
0: lawyers are problem solvers, right? That's sort of in the, if we really want to get to it, that's what we try to do. And that perspective is probably helpful sitting on a board.
1: It makes a big difference and any board can use someone who's a problem solver. And what's fun about a lot of boards, honestly, is you're getting all the people who are interested in doing problem solving from a lot of different industries and areas so you're meeting like-minded individuals who are excited about helping their communities that might think about things in a way a lawyer doesn't think. You know, sometimes we think in a kind of a linear fashion, whereas an entrepreneur is kind of thinking in a web fashion and going in a million directions at once. So it's it's kind of refreshing to get different problem solvers in the same room that way.
0: Absolutely. It's got to be really a rewarding way to build professional relationships and, and skills as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I have to say one of the coolest things that I know you're involved with and some of your work is with the Loretto Foundation. Um, And that's because you are a third generation board member. And I just really think that's so important for Central New York, whatever community someone lives in, right? Like a third generation member of a family is like, I want to give back. So will you talk a little bit about the Loretto Foundation?
1: Yeah, it's definitely an organization I'm proud to be affiliated with. So the Loretto Foundation supports the Loretto Corporation, which is an entity in central New York that serves mostly elderly, but anyone who really needs that continuum of care assistance. And what I mean by continuum of care is that Loretto wants you to start using their PACE program, which is kind of an aging in place in your home. They'll help you drive places. It's a day program all the way up you know, to your independent living and into your assisted living. And Loretto is doing a lot with memory care too, which is where we bring in folks who aren't necessarily within that elder population as you know it. And in addition to assisting the Loretto Corporation with performing that work, the foundation also serves the individuals who work for Loretto. And it's one of the things I think is really cool and sets the Loretto Foundation apart is that in addition to empowering our elders to live life with purpose and dignity, we're empowering the people who serve them. Whether it's through a diaper bank, which provides diapers to any parent or grandparent every single month who works for Loretto that needs it for their kids, whether it's supporting people in their CNA training programs, we have a WeCare fund, which Loretto's employees actually give grants to their fellow employees when they experience an emergency or hardship. So instead of those off, you know, oh, raise 10 bucks here and there because someone experienced a, you know, surprising life event and need help. You can apply for a grant up to a thousand dollars. So for instance, we've had an employee who had unexpected death in her family. She was able to apply and pay for part of the funeral costs, which she wouldn't otherwise have been able to do. So it's nice because in an area like CNY, where we have people who are experiencing poverty, but want to work and get jobs, you know, that those training programs, the We Care Fund, they're ways to help people want to stay at a job. And it makes them happy to be there. It makes the people they're serving happy. And it's just, it's a virtuous cycle.
0: Absolutely. And and that's one of the things that often stops people from getting out of a cycle. And if someone's experiencing poverty, and then one setback can really just pummel everything right like well i have to quit the job now and i can't but having those types of supports is a great way to help people stay in it advance maybe do additional training and and keep going like
1: to whatever goal they have loretto's been kind of on the cutting edge for some time and i can say that confidently because yeah. my grandpa was the first chair of the foundation in 1974 and then my mom was on the foundation and then the management corporation after that now i'm on the foundation so it definitely has its roots in our community and it's really a great organization that lives out the mission that I just discussed, but also, you know, being in a room with a lot of problem solvers, people in our community, like supporting Loretto and the Loretto Foundation. So it's also a great opportunity for me to work with a lot of folks from different areas and industries in our community.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I really do love that, you know, your grandfather was the, he found, did he, was one of the help people who found it or was he the first president?
1: So the- they. What Loretto was founded before the foundation corporation came to to be, so the Loretto was actually founded in 1926, and when it's first opening of the heritage, and it was run completely by uh, nuns, so it was the first diocesan run sort of elder care situation, and over time it just grew and grew, and Monsignor Fahey, who recently passed away helped grow it. He's from CNY and he sat on three presidents' council of on aging. And my grandpa and other people in the community knew the good Loretto was doing and Monsignor Fahey. And so they formed the not-for-profit corporation in order to continue advancing the needs of Loretto, because obviously the diocese in the 20s probably wasn't making enough money to, form, yeah. to perform <laughs> medical procedures and take yeah. care of people and do things like that. So Loretto existed before that, but the, corp- the management corporation, the not-for-profit corporation came to be in the 70s. So my grandpa assisted with that and then became the first uh, chair of that. Of that's
0: that great. Program. And then your mom was part of that and the management corporation. Is that yeah. correct? Did you
1: mention yes. that? Mm-hmm. Big shoes to fill for on both, <laughs> on both parts. But <laughs> that's just an example of what I was saying at the beginning that, you know, serving and giving back is is in our family's DNA. It's an expectation. It's not anything you have to try very hard to do. You just do it.
0: Yeah, that's. I think that's fantastic. And you did just get to appear on our Central New York area morning show talking about your work in that third generation time on a board,
1: right? I did, yeah. In honor of Giving Tuesday, I, I went on Bridge Street on Monday and gave a spiel about Loretto and why people should consider giving to the foundation and appeared alongside Jennifer Janes, the director of the foundation.
0: I love that. That's really, that's really great. So with the variety of community work you do, you know, you said it's in your DNA. Is that what motivates you to, to volunteer?
1: I think something that's in your DNA can't necessarily motivate you to do something because you're just doing it automatically. So I don't want to give myself too much of a pass. But what motivates me is that that tradition has demonstrated that, you know, giving back and being engaged in your community is so important. You know, I think there's a book. I can't remember the name of the book. The word bowling is in the title. I can look it up. But it's about how communities are starting to lose touch because people don't belong to bowling leagues anymore. And while I think there's probably a lot of other issues for why people aren't in touch and not bowling, <laughs> uh, the idea is there. I think in our increasingly virtual world, especially after COVID, it's easy to lose touch with like the physical community in which you live. And when you do that, you lose your connections to the community. So giving back is a way to maintain that connection because without them, you're not growing the community. You're not making it a better place And working with others, regardless of where they're at in their lives, to make the place you live the place you want it to be, not to just stay the same.
0: Yeah, that's, I really, I really like that. That's, that's great. That's a great way to, to think about it. So that hashtag giving Tuesday should be something that people think about all year and all the time, isn't it?
1: I think so. And I think that if people get caught up in the giving aspect being of, treasure there's always time and talent as we've discussed on this call you know no amount is too big or small if you can give financially but giving back you can do in myriad ways volunteering at the samaritan center being on a board those aren't things i have to financially give to and those are things i get to provide my my time and and my talent so people shouldn't be intimidated by that money aspect of giving certainly it's important but it shouldn't be a reason someone doesn't get involved and stay engaged in their community
0: that's excellent that's an excellent point and a really important one um, because that's how you can start really young too
1: exactly Um,
0: (laughs) well thank you so much Liza thanks for taking the time to join us on the podcast today I think you're one of the great examples of how Bond gives back. And we appreciate you talking to us about how lawyers and law firm professionals can make a difference in the communities we serve. And this isn't about getting credit or being a savior. It's about truly sort of seeing the need around you, the people around you, using your time, your talent, or your treasure to help however you can. So thanks, Liza.
1: Oh, thank you, Kim.
0: Thank you for tuning into this episode of Legally Bond. If you are listening and have any questions for me, want to hear from someone at the firm, or have a suggestion for a future topic, please email us at legallybond at bsk.com. Also, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Legally Bond wherever podcasts are downloaded. Until our next talk, be well. Bond, Shenick and King has prepared this communication to present only general information. This is not intended as legal advice, nor should you consider it as such. You should not act or decline to act based upon the contents. While we try to make sure that the information is complete and accurate, laws can change quickly. You should always formally engage a lawyer of your choosing before taking actions which have legal consequences. For information about our communication, firm, practice areas, and attorneys, visit our website, bsk.com. This is attorney advertising.